I'm Jane Messinio Lindquist, and this is a Puppy Culture Potluck Podcast. You bring the topics, we bring the conversation. Today's question was actually written into the show page, and it's from Rochelle Fisher, and she actually asked a couple of questions, um, but I'm, I'm going to tackle one of them today, and then maybe the next one uh, will be its own podcast. So let me read you the part that we're going to be talking about today. Hi, Jane. I love your way of bringing dogs into the human world. We currently have a 20-month-old female Doberman. The breeder used your puppy culture methods to raise the puppies, and we continued with your suggestions after she came home at 11 weeks old. I wonder if you could do a podcast covering what you have learned works best regarding how to frame the adolescent's mind and some general guidelines around training and general standards we should be aware of at this time in her development. You know, like with the puppies at their different stages. In other words, okay, now this is me talking. What she's saying is, you know, the way that we went through the developmental stages in puppy culture and gave you behavioral markers and appropriate protocols per developmental stage, she's saying, hey, can you kind of do that for adolescents? So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some fairly just grab bag kind of thoughts about adolescence and and things that I've noticed and that might be helpful to you. But before I reach into that bag, I'm going to say the reason why I have not so far treated this subject globally, like in a, in a, an educational product is the following. You know, the thing about very young developmental periods, like with puppies, you know, neonates um, into transitional critical socialization period, is that there are pretty, you know, like defined behavioral markers, okay, which are going to be universal across breeds and types of dogs. Now, how exactly when those developmental markers appear is going to be genetically controlled and there's going to be some variation, but the variation is, is small because genetically they're all dogs and whatever genetic difference they have, it's, it's not as great. You know, there's a lot of what I call genetic black boxes that haven't come online yet. So, you know, neonate puppies outside of physical limitations, they're all kind of like the more or less the same, right? And then as with each passing day and week, you know, the genetic trajectories push them apart and, and the environmental trajectories puts, push them apart, right? So what, what I'm about in puppy culture and in all my educational products is finding the higher principle that is applicable universally, right? So I, I try and find that top level that there's, a, there's an applicable principle here and how you and when you apply it, here's your behavioral markers to look for, you know, and know where you are with your particular puppy. That becomes increasingly confounding as the puppy gets older, if that makes sense, because now you've got 
all those genetic black boxes coming online. It, you know, the puppies are, are diverging genetically. The environments are very difficult. So different, excuse me. So it, it becomes very difficult to come up with universal principles. That's by way of saying it's sort of a disclaimer as what I'm going to, what I'm going to hit you with here are just the things at this time that I've been able to sort of pull out of the bag and say, these are universals. These are the things you can look for as far as adolescence goes. Um, so it's not a whole course or a dissertation on adolescence. It's just here's some choice things that so far I've been able to say universally are applicable. So I think that the first transition from true puppyhood to adolescence is probably around the time of teething. Okay. So you have the, the, the true baby puppy stage, and then you have that stage, you know, probably from 10 to 16 weeks where they're sort of like high schoolers. <laughs> and then, you know, they get to be 16, around 16 weeks, and there's usually a pretty profound behavioral change. And it's, it's usually couched in terms of teenage rebellion, what they call teenage rebellion. And all it is, is that the puppy that previously just seemed to be so compliant and dying to be with you and do whatever you say and so easy to train, right? Every puppy we ever have is, you know, eight week, at eight weeks, they're an Ochmock dog. <laughs> and then they get to be 16 weeks and all of a sudden it, it does appear like the puppy's blowing you off, okay? It's like, and so understandably people say, well, this is teenage rebellion. But I want to reframe this a little bit for you in, in evolutionary terms because all it comes down to is a shift in reinforcers, okay? And it's a pretty hard shift that normally does come around the time of teething. It's not a, um, a rebellious stage. It's just simply an evolutionary shift. Let me back that up and explain. Up until you know, the puppy is certainly eight weeks old, let's say. Most breeds of domestic dogs, they're going to be fairly flexible. They're not going to have too high, you know, they're, they're going to be what we call the curiosity period, sort of a fear trough, right? They're, they, that they, they just, anything that they meet, they kind of accept. And um, they're very compliant and loving toward their pack members. There's very low, you know, conflict or uh, aggression or independence, okay? And it all makes sense, right? Because they don't have very high mobility. So they're, the only things they're probably really going to be seeing are their immediate pack members, which is safe. And their real only chance of survival is the approval of their pack because they don't have any defense mechanisms and they, they can't even really retreat or run away if there is danger. So their best bet is, for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, to suck up to their pack. And, you know, that's what you're getting with that puppy at eight weeks old that just, you know, is a prodigy and you can train it to do anything. It's like, just tell me, uh, it's fantastic. I love it. You know, they, they, they just, they would work for you for no food. They, they, pack approval is a primary re reinforcer to very baby puppies. But then what happens at 16 weeks? They start getting their adult teeth, okay? 
they start getting their adult teeth and their growth planes have really slowed down. So whereas up until 16 weeks, they've just been really dramatic growth. I mean, an eight-week-old puppy eats as much as an adult dog. I mean, it's this tiny thing, a fraction of the size of an adult dog. And it, you know, it eats as much as an adult dog because that trajectory, that growth plane is just like almost perpendicular, okay? But then, you know, around 16 weeks old, they start teething. So now they've got adult teeth. They've reached, you know, somewhere around three quarters or more or better of their adult size. They've got legs, they can run, they can defend themselves. So now they can get away from their immediate pack. And now they really, they, they need to learn to distinguish between what's safe and what's not safe. So they're getting a much higher fear level of novelty than they did when they were eight weeks, seven, seven weeks old, going on to eight weeks old when they're in that curiosity period. Now they can, you know, their little legs are long enough to carry them into trouble. So they, they need a higher level of mistrust and fear. And they also, frankly, don't need you as much as they did when they were eight weeks old. And they don't need the other dogs. So it's very, they come by it very honestly, right? That all of a sudden, right around that period of teething, yeah, they're a little harder to work with. They, they're not, all that stuff that you thought that they had learned, that, you know, you were there, you, would, you, were, you were already doing everything, all of a sudden it's all falling apart for you. But this is natural, okay? What you will find, and I do mention this in puppy culture, is that a lot of animals that, uh, puppies that were very happy to work for you f- for for basically for nothing, just for the joy of working with you. All of a sudden, you know, they really want payment. They want food, and that is totally normal. That you may just have to re-examine your reinforcers when those puppies move from true puppyhood, starting adolescence. Okay, your your reinforcer is going to have to be something better probably than just the joy of working with you because that that's not that's not really a reinforcer for most puppies anymore at 16 weeks. And I, I'm not going to get too deep into this because you know it's a course in itself, but this is why we really encourage developing um, a lot doing a lot of free shaping games and a lot of play relationship kind of games with very young puppies. Because that taps into the hunting part of the brain, right? Which can supersede the, any of these um, evolutionary changes. Like that, that hunting instinct, if you can sort of equate training with hunting and you do that by free shaping behaviors, so the dog is sort of always hunting for the correct answer, that can really help smooth out, smooth out that bump, right? Oh, between... Um, puppyhood and adolescence there, that first, you know, when you have that switchover of reinforcers from pack approval to independence and, and food being more likely to be the primary reinforcer. If you've developed a play, free shaping, training relationship, that's where that's really going to stand you in good stead. The truth of the matter is it's really hard to convince puppy owners that they should do those things because it's so easy to train the puppies elsewise. You know, you don't need to technically when they're puppies because they learn so easily, but it's sort of an investment against, you know, the teenage years. So that that's just one universal that I've seen, you know, and it, it's a different experience um, 
in degree for different breeds and different dogs, but it's pretty much universal that right around that teething time, you're going to see your really compliant puppy that you thought was perfect, you know, so-called fall apart, become independent, become defiant. My advice for you is not to worry about it. The customer is always right. And the puppy's the customer. If they want to work for food, that's fine. If you have to drop back to less distracting environments, that's fine. If you lose a little ground, that's fine. It's going to come back to you. If you've, if you've laid the foundation, it's going to come back to you. You just have to be willing to sort of ride out the, this, this period with this puppy. So that's one thing. Another shift that happens during adolescence is it's a shift in the way the brain is wired, okay? And, and I'm also going to say that this is my hypothesis, um, which is you know, somewhat based on circumstantial evidence about brain development in young mammals, but it, it is my observation, okay, that what we call the critical socialization period is in fact really the brain being wired preferentially for classical versus operant conditioning. What does that mean? It means that the puppy forms emotional associations very quickly with as little as one exposure, okay? It it can be a yes or no, it's a good experience, bad experience, one exposure, and it's durable. I mean, it's pretty much the rest of their their life. It's going to be that way. So if they meet a person, they have a pleasant experience, they like people with hats and red hair, okay? There's a person in a hat with red hair, it's a good experience. The puppy's under 12 weeks old. Probably the rest of that puppy's life, you pretty much check that box off. Now, why is that really significant? Well, because in an adult dog, okay, that has never met a person in, you know, a hat with red hair, it could take 50 exposures to create that same emotional connection that you can do in, in one, one exposure with a puppy at 12 weeks old. And it's not going to be durable in an adult, okay? that That's one of the things about classical conditioning with adult dogs and why it's, it's in a very important tool, but ultimately kind of a weak tool for dog trainers with adult dogs is that you have to maintain that nexus, okay, between the conditioned and the unconditioned stimulus. So, you know, the, the, the dog has to continue to have good relationships or good interactions with people with red hair, with hats. Otherwise, it's, it, it's going to wear off, okay? It's not, it's not going to be durable in the same way it is with a, a six-week-old puppy. This is just the nature of what the critical socialization period. It's just it is. It's just a real hypersensitivity to emotional learning. But you know, literally, it's like that bandwidth, right, that makes the puppy so easy to imprint on things and and learn, you know, make good associations. That that's at the expense of operant conditioning or training. Meaning to say, puppies are just not able to assimilate if-then kind of reasoning so easily. So consequences, like, you know, if I do this, then that happens, and that's going to, you know, therefore I'll affect my behavior. They don't have that. That takes the prefrontal cortex, okay? That takes a different executive function that puppies really have in very short supply. 
So it's, you know, if you just imagine the brain like a circle and, you know, a big portion of that circle for those baby puppies is taken up with emotional learning and there's just less room for that executive function that they need to to learn true behaviors. Now, I'm just going to step back here and say, at all times, at all stages in every dog's life, you are working in both of those areas, okay? You're always... they're always doing emotional learning and you're always training, you're always shaping behaviors, but the lion's share of what you do with young puppies should be emotional learning, which is why I always say how you teach something to a puppy is much more important than what you teach to to that puppy, okay? Because it's, they're hypersensitive to emotional learning and have limited capacity for, for intellectual learning. But that changes, okay? So that brain starts to, the, you know, the prefrontal cortex comes on and, and they start closing off their ability to be flexible emotionally, okay? And that, that's what you're seeing at the end of the critical socialization period is that hypersensitivity to classical conditioning, to being able to just, you know, make emotional connections with as little as one exposure and have it be durable for life, that's going away, Okay. It closes pretty hard and fast, somewhere 12 to 14 weeks, and then it's a downhill slide from there. And what's happening, though, is that as that opportunity is closing for you as a, a puppy owner, the puppy's ability to learn behaviors is increasing you know, in proportion. So that's why in puppy culture, uh, we didn't do... For instance, attention is the mother of all behaviors. That's something typically I start with my puppies more around, you know, the 12-week mark, okay? Maybe sometimes a little younger. But it's that if-then kind of, of reasoning and a little bit more of your sport training and stuff like that. I mean, normally they're going to do better with it as they get a little bit older. So it's not a precipitous change but it's a kind of a gradual change. And, and to me, the tipping point, when I really start prioritizing rules over experiences, okay? So like if-then kind of household rules, like you cannot access this resource until you do something for me. I do that when I feel that the, the balance has tipped to operant conditioning, the brain being favored for operant conditioning or if-then kind of training versus emotional learning. And the tip-off for me in my household is when the puppy license runs out with the big dogs. So what I've noticed is that usually in our house, it's around five months and it's pretty much like clockwork, that our big dogs will just all of a sudden say no to puppies. They'll just, and and now let me clarify here. I'm not talking about snarky, cranky adults, okay? I'm talking about good nannies and nanos, what we call shapers versus correctors. These are shapers. These are dogs that have had infinite patience with those puppies from the time they knew them. These are dogs that would let puppy take food out of their mouths. These are dogs that would let puppies hang off of them like earrings. And one day, 
these adults will just say to a puppy, no, my food, you can't have it. No, you can't hang off of me like earrings. Whatever it is, it's just a no. And it's not a mean no, it's not a correction. It's just no. For me, that's my tell. Okay, the puppy's ready. I mean, the when my big dogs say, yeah, the puppy's ready to learn, you can't do that. I know my puppy now has shifted brain-wise enough that they can start learning some rules. So for me, that's when I start working on things like crate games, um, you know, release games, more what they call impulse, true impulse control games, like, you know, sit before you get padded, wait to be released across a threshold, all that kind of stuff. So that for, for us, that's around five months old, okay? Now, if you don't have a good adult dog to kind of let you know, you know, or help you know, I think, you know, five months is a pretty, five to six months certainly is a pretty average age, I'd say, where we can really start thinking about rules more than experiences. I think up until that that age, we're more concerned with the emotional learning of, of the puppy, okay? That the puppy is, is having a good time, is experiencing things. Like I'm not going to not let someone pat my puppy because they won't sit. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about any of that because I'm just trying to front load all that emotional learning. But then, and, and also I feel like up until that time, because they have a limited capacity for intellectual learning, but such a deep capacity for emotional learning, if I come down on them like like a ton of bricks, you know, about rules, I mean, basically, I hate to say it, they're just going to be like, well, you kind of suck. I mean, because they can't, they don't have the wherewithal to understand the rules and I'm, 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 you know, giving them a hard time. And it's just, to me, counterproductive. Okay. So those are two things I'm going to say, you know, the teething and then the puppy license running out or failing that around five months old. So the teething, you know, where you're going to see the shift in reinforcers from pack approval to, you know, prime traditional primary resources, uh, reinforcers like food. And also, you know, around five months old where you're going to see them make that switch from being predominantly emotional learners to being predominantly um, intellectual learners. So, um, and I'm going to give you um, just one more, you know, universal that I've noticed. And now, you know, we're sort of moving into, you know, what we call the teenage period is really a pretty big period. But just, I'm going to say from... 16 weeks probably to 18 months. I mean, definitely that's that that's your teen period, although we really could divide that into sub-periods. But let's just say, for the first year of any puppy's life, really for the first two years, but definitely for the first year, that teen period, it's very important that you prioritize safety over anything else, okay? Because... They are extremely susceptible to imprinting bad experiences in that first year of life. There have been studies, and what they found is with really a terrifying um, reliability that bad experiences in the first year of a puppy's life, being scared by another dog or a human, does result in statistically just much more 
dog and human-directed aggression as adults. So it's a very sensitive time. And it's, again, very hard to impress this on puppy owners because a lot of times the puppy's going to have a bad experience and you're not going to see that that was a bad experience because it's going to appear that the puppy has recovered from the bad experience. But what it is is that because of their developmental phase of still being, you know, a a junior, a, a teenager, they really haven't reached that uh, defense fight p- place yet genetically. They're still in what we call defense flight. They're still in the part of their brain where their instinct when confronted or scared is to retreat. But as they grow up and they come into their full, you know, adult in full uh, personalities, you know, unfortunately, those bad experiences sort of get bankrolled and it can statistically wind up in in increased negative attitudes towards people and other dogs. So what does this mean in practical terms? In real terms, this means the first year of my dog's life for sure, and probably for the first two years, I way prioritize safety over experiences. I do not take my dogs, my my puppies, under two years old. I never take a dog under two years old anywhere where there is any possibility that there could be a dog off leash you know, it's up to you. Okay. I'm just telling you what I do. The last time I did that was, um, three generations ago. I had a lovely puppy, five months old, got out super early in the morning. We have a wonderful rails to trails over here. And I, I just was like, you know, I'm just going to get up really early before the palookas are up and take my puppy for a walk. And, you know, so I'm walking and I see this guy with an off-leash dog coming. And it's an old guy. And I said, "Get leash up your dog. And he said, she's friendly. I said, I can see it from here. She's not friendly. Oh, no, she's good. I'm like, she's stalking my puppy. Get your dog. And I actually use an expletive, which he took exception to. But sure enough, you know, his dog jumped my puppy, Alpha Rolder, and growled at her. And that puppy, I mean, she seemed like she was fine. It didn't seem like it was a problem, but she did grow up to be not good with other dogs. Now, I mean, she's a bull terrier, so I can't say that was a, the dispositive event. <laughs> but, you know, I just, it made me really sick to my stomach. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, the, this, these dogs do not need to take a walk at the expense of, you know, the rest of their life you know, maybe not really being that happy around other dogs. So I just don't do it anymore. You know, in fact, what I do with my very, uh, you know, my adolescent dogs is I'll take them to a college campus or a city or someplace where I just, you know, people people are not going to have off-leash dogs because I just, I just won't have it. I just, I, I've had too much heartbreak over it. I've seen it too much. So for what it's worth, I know a lot of people are really big on off-leash stuff and it being a decompression and important, and God bless you. You know, I it, everybody has to choose their poisons, but for me, I just, it, uh, I just can't. So now I just kind of want to circle back more specifically to the original poster, the person who wrote in, and um, make some specific comments about her dog's age and breed. Okay. So she's got a 20 month old Doberman. And here's the really great news for you, my dear, is of all the breeds I've worked with, Dobermans are absolutely the most 
mystically biddable animals. <laughs> I mean, I don't even understand how they know what you want them to do. I just, I love those dogs. It, it You know, you want them to do the weed pulls, you just kind of look at them and they're like, oh, that's what you want. I mean, they're great dogs. Which, what it really means in practical terms is that Dobermans, for the most part, is a true working animal, okay? Which means that they've bred them to enjoy working for people so much that it's a primary reinforcer, really, doing the job. So I would say your teenage years with your Doberman, I mean, I, I think that if you have any pitfall, it might be that you rely too much on the biddability of your animal and you're not being honest about, you know, making sure that you're always paying them. But that's a different story. I mean, I, I would just say in general, I don't think that you, you might experience some other kinds of issues. I mean, everybody has their, their own bag of stuff that they have to deal with. But as far as training and biddability, I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're not going to have a hard time um, getting there with your Doberman. The only other thing I can say is that at 20 months, you're sort of coming, you know, into that young adulthood, right? I'd say you're really past adolescence at 20 months. I mean, certainly between 18 and 24 months in, in most dogs that I've seen, there's a really big um, behavior, behavioral change. They really settle down. Like they, they, they can be kind of intolerable at 18 months. In fact, you know, I, I'd say just about every male I've ever had, I, I scheduled them for neutering at 18 months. I just can't take it. And then at 24 months, miraculously, they're just, I, I don't know, they settle down. A lot happens. And I, I don't know, I, I don't have all the explanations, but I'm, a lot happens. Now, breeds can differ you know, normally by three. So, you know, you have that young adulthood from, I would say if I had to define it just somewhat arbitrarily, 16 weeks to 18 months is really your true teenager. 18 to 24 is sort of your young adulthood. And then two to three years old, by three years old, they, they're, they're really, they've reached stable emotional maturity by three, which is kind of interesting because it sort of tracks with people, right? I mean, it's sort of like, that you know, that period from when you're 18 to 24 versus 24 to 30 versus 30 and you know there's other obviously phases but you know if you kind of think of look back at yourself if you're old enough to during those ages you kind of can put yourself in that period and say oh yeah this is kind of where this dog is <laughs> and it might give you a little insight and wisdom into how to deal with it now breeds can differ a tremendous amount okay, with this stable emotional maturity. And, and I, I always raise the example of Rottweilers because I, I just find it fascinating that it's really like four years old for them. I mean, it's so much older. It, it, and and I, I've noticed a difference in males and females. I mean, I'd say my bitches by three, I kind of know what they're going to be. My males really can have significant changes up until four, really pretty significant changes. So, I, can, I think, though, for me, the important thing is by three years old, I am less conservative. I'm always protective of my dogs, okay? I'm always my dog's advocate. But I am much less conservative 
about where I take my dogs. Like I will take my dogs for a walk on a trail where, yeah, there might be an off-leash dog, but by three years old, I mean, if my dog is good with other dogs, having a bad experience, you know, saving something really horrific, you know, just getting accosted by a dog or a gnat, it's it's not going to ruin them for life. But, you know, before that time, you you really kind of, you're balancing, especially a dog under a year old, you're sort of balancing like pretty permanent damage against that walk in the park. So again, I think it's a personal decision and I think some of it is is breed specific, but I mean, if I had a dime for every story I heard about somebody who took their dog for a walk and it got jumped or attacked or bitten or whatever and now can't be around other dogs or other people and they have severe behavioral problems they have to deal with, you know, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> so I don't want to be Debbie Downer about it, but, uh, you know, be your dog's advocate, okay? So that, that, that's, that's what I would say. So to sum it up, basically three things about adolescence into young adulthood. One is be ready for that teething, you know, shift in reinforcers. It's not the end of the world. Your puppy's not being rebellious. Your puppy is doing what that puppy is supposed to be doing at that time, which is establishing its own identity and no longer relying on you. It's your job to roll with it. Your little puppy that was perfect at eight weeks is going to come back to you if you just stick with it. So that's number one. Number two, prioritize emotional learning and experiences, good experiences over rules. up until the point where the puppy's brain shifts from being predominantly geared toward emotional learning to predominantly geared toward intellectual learning, usually around five months old, I see my adult dogs change their attitude towards my puppies around that time, and that's my cue. If you don't have an adult dog, five to six months old is is a good a good rule of thumb. And third, Prioritize safety, you know, definitely in the first year of your your puppy's life and potentially, if you can, for the first two years until and really until they reach stable emotional maturity and it, it will pay off in spades in the long run. If you enjoyed this podcast, you'll love our puppy course at madcapuniversity.com. If you're a breeder, check out our breeder course at madcapuniversity.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.